China rushes China Russia going to kind of suck. We're back to a new red scare. But anyway. Oh, they are both red. That's right. <laughs> What is up, Crypto Basic Nation? It is time for our Flagship Friday episode. And we're here. We have Kartoshi Barumoto. Hola. That is also known as Kareem Baruke. And we have Adam Ruthless Levy. No, I, was just, I mean, I was just going to go with Adam today. Just keep it simple. <laughs> I never but- know whether to use your middle name or not. And I mean, you were literally reading the names off of uh, the squad cast that we're on, so I figure you got to keep it consistent, Brett. Oh, no, I'm not going to say that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, don't give the scammers any more, no. any more fuel. So anyway, we we are here for our weekly news roundup of the cryptocurrency space. We're going to talk about everything from Libra to the Mark Zuckerberg's face to Google's quantum supremacy and we're going to talk about us getting scammed. You, I released that quick uh, podcast, the little emergency podcast last week. I'm going to kind of go deep into what happened with that scam or what we're doing. And uh, maybe maybe somebody can help at some point. But that'll be towards the end of the episode. And then in the meantime, we are going to talk about the most important thing that happens this week is Adam talking fast. It's time. For Adam's rapidly speaking mouth for the rapid part. <laughs> All right, today we got this one, and we're gonna do it. Like the micro machines guy, yes. So oh, should we like do this as an auction style? Like, back follows up record volume with another forecast at all time high. Uh, I feel oh, like I- that would that would get uh, old by the first bid. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't know. I'm just impressed that I pronounced every single word in that correctly. So yeah. So backed, as you have probably heard, has been popping up and they are a, I forget exactly. Oh, do you guys, or do you guys want to jump in and just explain what backed is real quick for the people that don't know? Cause I, sometimes I know I'm going to kind of mess it up. Yeah. They are a physical contract settling company that basically trades Bitcoin only. So they hold all the Bitcoin. The contracts are not like paper contracts where they're going to be like, I own Bitcoin, but you don't really because nobody ever cashes it out. Like they're all settled physically, and yeah. they are the futures in the United States. They're not futures yet. Okay, they're daily futures contracts, and actually, I think there might be longer. Yeah, they are futures, and they're trying to expand into options. I think yes. Which so would we're, be we're the gonna paper trading. We're, yes, yeah. we're gonna we're gonna cover that, and so yeah, I just wanted to get that out of the way. But basically, they have actually had record volume. Uh, they basically went from, I think the day before was 85 traded contracts to Wednesday of this week was 640 traded contracts. And the previous record was 224. So there's been a lot of short term increase in volume, which is good. Yeah, it's shorting Bitcoin probably right now is at least that's what some people on Reddit were saying and trying to detract it. But ultimately, this is very good for the space. And why? Because of the institutional investors that are now coming into the space almost can, you know, maybe not consistently, but it's trickling in. And that that's kind of what we've all been talking about for years now, you know, quick uh, rapid fire question. What percentage of the people who are investing on backed do you think actually know 
how Bitcoin's consensus algorithm works? Uh, I would say not many. Maybe single digits. Maybe a little more than that. What do you think, Kareem? Of the physical people, not the physical money. I would say that probably a similar percentage to almost all other commodities and securities where the majority of people trading it don't understand the core underlying. Like, I don't think most uh, oil buyers and sellers understand the actual like chemistry or true process of producing oil. All of them, they're, you know, using different benchmarks and investing or gambling. Investing. All right. All right. All right. Continue. I didn't mean to interrupt our rapid fire here. I was just wondering what we all thought. From that. I thought it would be pretty low also. I agree that it would be low. Side note. Yeah. So to continue on uh, with back, they're launching, like you alluded to, they're launching their options trading in December, December 9th. Oh. And uh, it's fully regulated and approved by its backer, which is the Intercontinental Exchange, which for people, I think we've mentioned on the podcast in the past, that those are the people that own the New York Stock Exchange. Yeah, so if they're owning the NYSE. They're they're yeah, have my they're not going by ICE anymore because of uh, the current <laughs> yeah. political climate. Yeah, they realize that one. And, and <laughs> which, by the way, just random side about ICE. Apparently, like they, or Nevada kicked them out, which is interesting. I didn't know you could do that. But. I didn't know you could do that either. But yeah, also the CFTC, the governing agency of derivatives, which we're also going to cover a little bit in our uh, one of our longer form articles. <laughs> uh, there's not a good way to say that it's what? fine uh so they hope to bring trust and utility to digital assets and i think we're now we got options on backed in a couple of months and back seems to be you know their volumes increasing i think it'll be interesting uh come early 2020 to see what you know the space looks like i think we're going to see a lot of money starting to pour in uh hopefully this quarter and now this is another one that I found that was pretty kind of unique in uh, Augur. You know Augur. They're the, predi- yeah. the decentralized yeah. prediction market. Well, they decided that they were going to bet on if Boris Johnson, the uh, prime minister of uh, the UK right now, if, they're go- if he's going to deliver on his pledge that he made to have Brexit happen by October 31st. And... There's been 10K put on uh, 10K, about like, I think it was like 97, 81 staked on uh, Brexit not happening by the end of the month. And only 5%, so that's, you know, one in 20, believe that it'll actually happen. And Augur has been pretty on point about things in the past. They predicted the Democrats taking the House. Uh, you know, one instance is Bitcoin above 4K. October 22nd, I assume that was like, you know, from I, I didn't know exactly the length of that bet and, or that prediction. And Justin Trudeau winning the Canadian re-election, which just happened. They operate on wisdom of crowds, which is, you know, I mean, Honestly, I think that's just a good way to go about a lot of things, you know, and uh, Augur's doing it on a platform. And I I really do want to check it out because there's a lot of things that you can kind of, I think if Augur is consistently right and the people, maybe it's not Augur specifically, but it's like the people on the platform, they probably are pretty savvy themselves. So maybe you can extrapolate some stuff and actually put it on, you know, for like actual, like, like, 
use that information to say, hey, this is going to happen. Well, what's the next? What what is it? What what kind of what's going to be the fallout of that happening? So interestingly enough, there's another site called Predict It that Kareem worked works with every now and then <laughs> that is similar that does like wisdom of the crowds thing where you try to like buy and sell outcomes of political elections and at one point i think they had the rock as the same chance to win the presidency as bernie sanders so i don't know yeah, not always... Hillary clinton <laughs> yeah. oh sorry I don't, yeah I don't... yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I do remember comparing the rock to somebody i think it was beto beto o'rourke had like the same odds as oh the rock. yeah 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 yeah, yeah. No, and, look, and I'm in Texas, so everybody thinks like Beto's a thing, and he's just not. It's funny. No, it's it's there's definitely something to wisdom of the crowds, but like everything, we also have to remember that humans are irrational, and in some ways, or not not just that humans are irrational, but let's say that like we have seen that even in big markets there can be massive efficiencies uh, because there's also groupthink. There's also, uh, let's say, irrational exuberance, as the economists like to say. There's all kinds of situations, right? And then there's manipulation. So when you also have financial interest, you know, it's like, how big does the market need to be to prevent somebody from manipulating the market that has access to the decision or or vice versa? So yeah, Augur is going to be interesting, but I don't know. That science is not quite solved yet, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And the last part of the rapid fire is what is an atomic swap? And I don't know, maybe we've mentioned it a few times on here, but I saw Binance Academy. uh, It's actually the domain is Binance.vision. They posted an article explaining what an atomic swap is. Do you guys know what an atomic swap is? Yeah, it's cross-chain transactions. So a way to send a transaction from Bitcoin that turns into Ethereum without an exchange doing anything in the middle in the process. That is, that is correct. Brent always gets it right. And yeah, there was a little Billy Madison reference. Uh, if uh, Brent, I don't think, I'm not sure Brent even got that. He just kind of cringed at the, me saying that. No, it's I, all right. I got it. I cringed because I got it. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, th- that is, that is right. Basically it allows for, peer-to-peer trades across different blockchains. And it was, I think, Dan Larimer of uh, Steemit. Uh, he invented, he started Steemit and he was, or, or he EOS. 16 different things. Yeah. You know. the, the guy just creates things, but he, you know. It he just really, wins, Adam. Yeah. Dan Larimer. <laughs> uh, just he, wins. He's like the creator of law. I think the opening chapters and then peace, collect the money. <laughs> <laughs> and he reminds me of uh, Richard Hendricks from Silicon Valley because he always ends up starting something and then is like, I'm bored. Let's move on to something else. I'm bored again. And I'm bored. So, uh, yeah, we pretty much know what an atomic swap is. Why don't we go uh, to our wonderful uh, guys at Wild Foods and talk about them a little bit? You know what's not boring, Adam? What's not boring is Wild Foods especially Wild Foods Instagram. There was an appearance by me again as a turmeric man. This time I was in an alien costume that we painted into a different color and and I was twisting a sign out on the road. But (laughs) anyway, Wild Foods still sponsor the podcast and they are still stuck with us. I don't know why, but if you want to go check them out, wildfoods.co is the website. 
What do they have? They have coffee. They have tea. They have everything that you might put in your butter coffee. Everything they might use to like with adaptogenic mushrooms. And they have like chocolate powder and all kinds of cool stuff. Keto bar coming soon. Looks like about six weeks out. So that'll be cool. I'm going to try to secure some samples that maybe we can send out some people on the show. And yeah, so Wild Foods is there. Use the code CryptoBasic12. You get 12% off your order. And you can have some of that painstakingly sourced goodness that's sustainably raised. And wild. And it's super wild. And they did not like our hashtag Girls Call Wild Foods. It's going to grow on them. It's going to grow on them. Just wait. It's like basic bitches. I mean, you didn't like that in the beginning anyway. It grew on you eventually. So I'm working on it. Girls Gone Wild Foods, is it's coming. Yes. All right. Your political smear <laughs> campaign uh, forced me into submission on that one. Yeah, right. that's what I did. That's, uh, that's, how, that's how things... That's how political campaigns <laughs> that's work. That's how power Rain. works. <laughs> All right. Enough about Wild Foods and something that is actually sustainable and has great morals and values. Let's talk about the opposite of that. Mark Zuckerberg testified about... Libra in front of Congress it was live streamed. This was during a protest that was go. Didn't the protest happen the same day where a bunch of guys came in with their cell phones into a place where they're not allowed to have cell phones? Oh man, that's a whole nother storyline that we're not going to unwrap. And so I know there might be some Libra fatigue. We'll cover this relatively quickly. We cover it every week. <laughs> I know, I know. But hey, look, it's the one of the biggest stories in crypto right now. So Zuckerberg testified and. The main point of this article and this little segment is to give us an idea of how Facebook is planning to strategize through this next phase of trying to convince lawmakers to hop on board and facilitate the Libra project. Okay, so as a reminder, he was testifying before the House Financial Services Committee. And based on his testimony and based on his opening statements, we can already see which directions Facebook is trying to go. So One of the first things that he did is, whereas before they were talking about Libra, something that's going to play a role, everybody in the world has access and unifier and all this stuff. Well, now he's saying more, hey, Libra is a reaction to China's plan to release a major cryptocurrency, which is going to be accepted worldwide, which is going to be distributed through state-owned companies. And essentially, Zuckerberg here is saying, hey, we need to have an American version of this or you're going to have a Chinese cryptocurrency essentially start dominating global markets. So you're seeing that he's Ah, kind of the old China problem. That's right. That's right. And it looks like, unfortunately, we have indeed traveled back in time because, you know, saying China or saying Russia is two things you could definitely use to try to get political points across, whether they're relevant or not. Right. Now, yeah, yeah. Now, now you just kind of like you, you're like China, and then LeBron James comes out and he's like, "You can't say that." <laughs> and then, and then yeah. go get educated. Yeah, but by the same so. token, you know, uh, even on the left, without getting too sidetracked, that everything is Russian. Anybody that disagrees, you know, like Tulsi Gabbard was getting smeared as being as a Russian agent. So it's like China, Russia's China, Russia. Gonna kind of suck. We're back to a new red scare. But anyway, oh, they are both red. That's right. so remember we covered last week that a bunch of these players like visa and mastercard and all them were leaving well this article confirmed that actually there were four lawmakers in this process that have been they didn't mention them but apparently some of the lawmakers have been writing to these companies saying hey drop out don't be a part of this this is basically bad news 
And that might have been part of the reason why some of these companies pulled back. Okay. Another problem that Facebook has is they're having to be, remember the big image problem with them is they don't respect data. So one of the questions was, well, what about the wallet? So Facebook is emphasizing, emphasized during the hearing that their wallet, which is different from the currency itself, but that they promise or they do not plan to sell any of the customer data to third parties <laughs> about your wallet. <laughs> so everybody, we're good. <laughs> Mark Zuckerberg oh, promises. We've been, we've been shitting on them for weeks. Yeah, This is all he had to say. Was they Yeah, that's all it. you had to say, homie. Uh, we were just worried that, that you know, you were going to sell us out for billions of dollars. But, you know, I, now that I see that's not your intention. And again, he kept emphasizing when he was talking about this. He said, if America doesn't lead, others will. And to be fair, it's it's a smart play because we do know, and we've covered on the podcast before, that there is a, a sense in which countries like China, uh, Russia, and Iran are working together to create a less unipolar world and to try to release part of the grip that the United States has on the global financial system. So they feel that if they can yeah. unite together, they can create a counter, which essentially would reduce the power of US sanctions, the power of the dollar, uh, essentially get rid of one of the United States uh, most powerful political tools that it keeps using against those countries. So Zuckerberg is playing that up. And it's probably a smart move, even though his intentions are literally money, money, money. And I only know that by seeing what he does. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> I I, th- I do think that it's he's been advised probably by some people. Oh yeah, the China picture, you know, just the China angle is a really good one right now. You're gonna get a lot of sympathy there, or just say, you know, my intentions, yeah, or not. But and, and look, this could be a very powerful move because I don't want to get conspiratorial, but you never know what's going uh, on behind the scenes. And sometimes industries can definitely work together for mutual interest. So the, let's say, national security, whether that involves defense contractors or all kinds of uh, military services, or all of these industries can be aligned here working when you're talking about U.S. national interest. And it always plays good for the politicians. So, yeah, this is not a dumb play by Facebook. But either way, this was just to give us an idea of the strategy that they're using. They're focusing on national security, focusing on America's place in the world, focus on the fact that they're not going to sell the data and, and, you know, emphasizing that, hey, we could trust them with privacy. Whether or not that's going to work remains to be seen. October 19th, this last Friday, we had three different new bills introduced, propositions into the House and Senate. So remember, these aren't laws, but these are laws that are being submitted to vote. One of them is the Keep Keep Big Tech Out of Finance Act. So you guys could probably assume where that's going. Yeah, it's probably going to have something to do with like Obamacare or something. (laughs) The second is the Stablecoins Are Securities Bill. If this passed, by the way, this would be a huge deal for exchanges that are using things like, well, I mean, all of the stablecoins, right? That are essentially Libra in smaller scale backed by different things. That's another great name. Stablecoins are securities. Like, I guarantee you there's going to be some rider on that that's like literally something to do with your healthcare. Wait, so are you saying that Maker uh, wouldn't be or stablecoins like Libra? As in, it is a, it's okay. Not all stable coins. No, literally, this bill is trying to say things that are trying to be stable coins are securities. 
which makes no sense. But of course, yeah, it doesn't mean the that least this is, security of all of them. Yeah, this is very unlikely to pass, I think. But these are just an idea of congressional sentiment here. Uh, the last one is the act to prohibit the listing of certain securities. And this one basically is saying that currencies like Libra wouldn't be allowed to be used to enter capital markets like real big, you know, like stock or things of that nature. So anyway, this is going to be an ongoing struggle, a battle of titans. Who will win a completely corrupted government that doesn't care about the average citizen or a powerful multi-global company that doesn't care about the average citizen either we'll way friends we're probably gonna <laughs> uh no i have one thing to say about this so i tuned in to watch this live for a little bit and i had like 10 minutes and i i was like oh let's see this i popped it up and it was the end of somebody's questions where he was asking about version control which made sense and zuckerberg wanted to expand on something but they wouldn't let him he's like i'd like to add some more context to that and they were like no and they moved on <laughs> basically like he said he was talking about version control of the system and zuckerberg was like look i don't control that we control our wallet which is fine and we do version control that we don't con- we don't do the protocol that we're going to work off of i agree with you that they should have better things and we'll suggest that to the libra foundation or whatever so he was kind of distancing himself a little bit but what <laughs> then uh rashida talib i think that's how you pronounce her last name even though mm-hmm. it's kind of felt a little bit weird she was up next so she started talking and literally she st- she starts off like as a mom with muslim kids i'm like what the fuck does this have to do with crypto <laughs> and she was like how what are you gonna do to stop people from posting hate speech on facebook and i'm like what and so she started asking him questions about facebook put up like a picture and she's like does this picture violate your community standards and he's like what uh i don't know and she's like, what do you mean you don't know? And he's like, I don't know. Like, this, I don't know if somebody shared that picture to say that this is a bad thing that somebody shouldn't be doing or if they shared it to say that somebody should be doing it. There's a difference. And he's just like, I, I, it was five minutes of questioning about Facebook in a hearing where it had nothing to do with Facebook. Is like, I don't know, just annoyed the piss out of me for like, this is what happens in U.S. politics because somebody's just like, well, I happen to have Mark Zuckerberg in front of me. So I'm asking about this, even though it has no bearing on anything. So anyway, there's all this BS and like extra layers of stuff that are not necessarily needed always. Like that's ridiculous. There's like five things you said in a sentence that are like, this has nothing to do with anything about no, Libra. She had five minutes on the floor and not a single thing had to do with, with Libra. I agree. Mark Zuckerberg <laughs> needs to be fucking held responsible for what his platform's doing. He wasn't there to do that. So bring him there and make him responsible for what his platform has caused and make him give some public announcements as, as to what they will and will not allow on, on Facebook. Cause I know like they're still doing everything wrong, even though they're trying to clean up their public image and stuff like that. They are still the bottom line is, is that, so they basically requested for him to come to court and like, can, or to come to court. Congress he came to Congress and talk to them. Yeah. And this is something that he could voluntarily do. Correct. Yeah, like he yeah, it's not like it's not, not like he was subpoenaed, which apparently you can also ignore. He just they wanted to have a hearing on what the hell Libra was. He was basically going to assuade their fears. Yeah, and again, I only watched for ten minutes, so I have no idea what the rest of it was like. But I get so annoyed with the political process every time because I haven't even really cared about politics until we elected a reality TV show, show star, and then I started like looking at things. But like 
every piece of the American political system tilts the fuck out of me. So, uh, and tilt means makes me really upset. That's a, that's a poker term. Sorry, <laughs> everybody. Anyway, you know, it's transcended into uh, gaming also. But yeah, this is kind of. I mean, I respect that he came, you know, to Congress. Whether I'm sure he answered a lot of the questions well. Yeah, like, he's not dumb, and that's the problem. I wish he was dumb. <laughs> Oh well, I'll um, be honest. I, sometimes I feel like he hasn't done that good of a job, but he's powerful. So you know, no, he has. I I feel like he's definitely on the spectrum or something because he doesn't have any idea like what certain things that he says and does will look like as far as like the rest of the world or whatever. But he's not dumb, so he right. it, you're never gonna trap him in a question. He's just gonna like get around it or whatever. So. I would be happy to have him testify about something that he knew about because I knew he wouldn't fuck it up, basically. Hmm. Which is, you know, 95% of the world. I don't think I could say that about. But I would not be happy to have him have my data. Enough talking about this piece of crap. Uh, Brent, you want to talk about uh, the Lightning Network and uh, maybe some issues that it had? Adam, the correct transition there was, enough (laughs) talking about that piece of crap. Let's talk about another piece of crap, the Lightning Network. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so apparently a user lost four Bitcoin on the Lightning Network, like using the Lightning Network. So how is that? That didn't make sense to me. So I had to look into this and figure out how he could have lost this. So in our Discord, we had some people posting about this that are generally pro Bitcoin Cash, but again, reasonable pro Bitcoin Cash people. So it's it's tough. It's tough to find. There's they a conversation. It's not just there's a conversation back and forth. It's not just yeah, like, yeah, yeah. You know, rhetoric. It goes both ways. Nobody gets upset or anything. It's it's cool. It's it's great discourse in our Discord. So anyway, they, they had posted about it, and I was looking into it, and I'm like, I don't, I just don't understand this. So it's complicated, but I was able to kind of break it down to the quick version. The quick version is there is a way that you could send a transaction on the Lightning Network, and then upload an older version of your node and get your money out before that transaction goes through. So there is a double spend attack that you can do the lightning network in place to stop. That is an automatic penalty of losing everything. If you do it. So basically, again, I don't know the, how this, all this works. I'm trying to like ELI five this, but I can initiate the send and, on the Lightning Network, it goes through basically instantly because of the way the Lightning Network works. But the Bitcoin blockchain still requires the blocks to be mined, and the Lightning Network needs to be put on that. So if I upload a new version of my Lightning Network that has a withdraw transaction on it, that will go through before the transaction goes through, and then in theory give me my money. But... The way the Lightning Network works, if it detects an old version of the chain, it immediately takes all the money out and gives it to the other person in the transaction. So whoever you were tr- sent the money to that you were kind of trying to take it out and get away from gives it to them. So it's a huge penalty. So this guy apparently did it with four Bitcoin. And he's saying basically he had a power outage or he was without power for a certain period of time when he logged back on. He used it. He went back to open up his lightning node, which worked at a lightning network uh, casino of some kind. So he logged back on to use it. And when he did, he got bricked by this. And he was like, it used one of my backups. Like, I didn't realize I couldn't keep backups. So apparently the lightning network people tell you don't save any backups of your lightning network at all. 
because if one of them gets uploaded, then you lose all your money on accident. So, like, if you're a system administrator and somebody tells you don't save your work, you're going to be like, that does not compute. What are you talking about? You always save your shit. If you don't save it, it's the dumbest thing in the world. That's the number one rule of anything on a computer. (laughs) So, apparently, this had something to do with, like, the way the power outage worked and a timestamp being affected. That's what this guy's saying. Uh, I, I went a little bit deeper and I was like, you know, maybe this guy was trying to pull some shit and he got caught. And it worked like maybe the lightning network worked correctly. So some of the comments, uh, the guy's name on Reddit was Zippo Tim with only one P or Zippo Tim, I guess. And he apparently sold his apartment for four Bitcoin and then started this online casino months ago. But he said, like, not all the money was his or something like that. And anyway, so there's gambling involved and. There could be a conceivable world where he didn't know that this would cause him to lose all his money. And he was like, you know what? I just want to like, you know, messing up people are winning off me or whatever. And he just tried to yank it all out of there and then got caught. I don't know which is the truth as far as like nefarious or not nefarious, but it does seem really crazy that keeping a backup could lose all of your funds. Just poof, gone. It is apparently like I don't know. After last week's episode where we're watching live in-game footage of killing monsters and getting nano in situations where that couldn't happen because the way nano works is it's all on chain. So you don't have to worry about the the consensus algorithm already works on nano. Anyway, it's just so not ready and it is not something that you can release to the masses if a misclick can lose you for Bitcoin. And of course, the R or not RBTC, our Bitcoin, our Bitcoin subreddit labeled the post as uh, reckless. They labeled this user as reckless for saving backups. Keep it classy. Our Bitcoin subreddit. You guys, you guys are the best. (laughs) So anyway, I don't know if it was an attempt to do something wrong or not, but our, our user lost his four Bitcoin and Lightning Network. So. Let's pour one out for him and uh, and all the other homies that have misclick sent crypto in the past. Yeah, that's a that's a pretty brutal spot, no doubt. Um, but yeah, I mean, like if your protocol can have such a devastating effect from such a simple thing, then it's just it needs work. It's not ready. Yeah, like, it's that not is ready. the point of Bitcoin was the double spend attack. Like th- that was one of the pillars of building it like how do we make sure this doesn't happen and now you have a network that does not have a consensus algorithm and has a double spend attack and the way to solve the vector means that if you misclick you're screwed that doesn't happen on bitcoin you can misclick and send the wrong wallet address but you can't like run the old wallet version and end up losing all your money because you opened an old version that just can't happen So is he just out the apartment now? I guess without getting well. No, he bought the he. Or I'm sorry, he sold. I think I said bought. He sold sold, the apartment for that. So a while ago, this is like a year ago. So he doesn't have the apartment anyway. As it is, he's from Bulgaria, and the uh, apparently apartments you can get them for four Bitcoin there. I guess it's kind of crazy, but. So he's, a, a ton of parts of this story sounds super sketch, by the way. Let's just yes. make that clear. Like yeah. the, the trust he runs meter, the online gaming business. Yeah, the trust meter here is real low. It yeah. is definitely. I don't think. I don't think 
they're, I don't know, probably 60-70% this guy tried some bullshit. Because he also wasn't mad. He was, like, super calm about all this. Yeah, this sounds like typical scammer behavior. I'm Like, the psychology of the scammer is, it's kind of like, uh, so there's a big story in the poker world now about Mike Postle. I'm sure we're not going to talk about it because we don't have a poker audience. But Wait, basically, yeah, apparently, Kareem doesn't on. listen to our episodes. <laughs> Kareem, uh, we talked about it on when I wasn't the here? ones you weren't, yeah. Oh, okay. We put well, it at the end of the episode and told everybody, like, this has nothing to do with crypto. We're just going to talk about yeah, it. Okay, right, right. So absurd situation, right? He's cheating or whatever. If you listen to one of the podcasts that he did, the one he did with Mike Matisau, one of his justifications, he's like... me, like, that he got scammed in no, 2009. No, 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 not that he got scammed, but he was like, I'm one of the most generous people. So he talks about this. There's the famous hand where he gets it all in with four or five, and they both have ace king and somebody had folded king queen, right? They run it out twice he let them all keep it even though he was supposed to win two-thirds. He just did a three-way chop. And he said that in the podcast, and then he talked about how generous he was. And even Mike Madison, who was trying to defend him, was like, well, yeah, if you're scamming people out of money, you probably don't care. <laughs> you're just spending the money. <laughs> like, ah, look how generous I am. You know, Everybody likes you now while you're scamming. So Yeah, Pablo Escobar was pretty uh, generous. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's something about the psychology of like ill-gotten gains that I don't know. That type of character would be the type of character that when the scam didn't go through, would go online and be like, oh, man, I was doing everything right and I got screwed. That's OK, I guess, you know, yeah. <laughs> like, I don't know. But I didn't read the post. So this is just my random opinion. Yeah. Good old, good old, good old Mike Postle. Yeah, we, 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 we did talk about him that he anyway, if you we're not going to keep talking about him, but definitely go check out Doug Polk and and Joey Ingram's channels. If any of that was interesting to you a couple of weeks ago, they've gone way more in depth. Yeah. The probability uh, he, that he cheated is somewhere between 99.99% and 100%, but we haven't yeah, somewhere figured out exactly where. My favorite one that was just released was where they were playing a game that requires four hole cards, which is uh, Omaha. And the readers on the table were only reading two of the four cards. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so you could see him like looking back at his at his lap, like, what the fuck? And then he reaches out and puts his cards back over the reader. And then he brings them back and looks back down at his, his crotch. And he br- puts the cards back on the reader. He's just like, wait, this is working. What is going on here? Dude, and you know what? All I could think when I saw this material is like, Oh, thank God that most cheaters are so stupid and also makes me scared about the, the ones that are actually smart because the two biggest cheating scandals that have blown up in the poker world, which was this and the one that happened in Ultimate Bet, really got prompted when they got in, insanely, like they're making godly plays. They wasn't good enough to just be awesome and make occasional mistakes. No, 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 no. This guy had to play like a deity in the other situation ultimate bet wasn't it because he called some guy with 10 high to ten win high, the yeah. freaking tournament yeah, but do, do you know how they figured out that that well, was happening was i'm sure it had, wild. you could tell the story i think it had more to do with the patterns and like the guy that was coming yeah, in later but apparently the guy who got second his name is like crazy marco he ended up requesting the hand history from the event because he was fucking shook. I remember he because like I, I was a grinder then and yeah, I was like an ultimate pro, pro uh, at some point, but he ended up being so dumbfounded that that had happened. He had like a flush draw, nine high flush draw, and the guy just called him with bet called 10 high on the flop. Right. But they sent him a hand history and the hand with history all had the all the cards exposed. 
from every single seat. So it was like yeah, there, there was, was a, a whistleblower, almost like a whistleblower at Ultimate Bet who then like and then after that, Crazy Marco was like, what the fuck? Holy shit. And he sent it and posted on 2 plus 2. And then that's when all the you know, 2 plus 2 poker players had a field day with figuring out. And there were numerous accounts and stuff like that. Well, anyway, so for you crypto people, the, the quick version is somebody was able to play poker online seeing whole cards like nine years ago, 10 years ago now. And then somebody inside knew it was happening and sent a file that they shouldn't have sent that ended up bringing the whole thing crashing down because he made a play that was pretty obnoxious and obvious. And to tie this all together, Mike Postel on that podcast where Mike Mattisau was talking to him, his kind of victim story is that he was scammed out of money on Ultimate Bet. Oh, right, he right, right. Up like five times. Yeah, and he so, keeps claiming he was one of the winningest pros. And I'm like, oh, that's interesting. Yeah. I never heard about you. Uh, <laughs> but anyway, like, that's a, yeah. the bottom line is one of the people that were going up to this, uh, the girl that broke the story, she broke the story because she was watching him just, you know, call with like, Float the river with the backdoor straight draw, turn top pair and fold to a set. Like it just just doing things that nobody would do ever, ever. So imagine if any of these guys like <laughs> if there's somebody out there that is cheating and is actually even semi restrained, they might get away with it for ten years. It's absurd. It would be hard to tell the difference between somebody doing very well and yeah. We say it all the time when scams come up that we catch. Like, why would this person do it this way? Oh man, they could have just stolen a little bit of money for the rest of their lives and whatever. So, yeah. well, good, good thing that there's a balance there. <laughs> like <laughs> your inability to care about other people and be willing to screw them over also makes your greed insatiable or something. I don't know. So speaking of scams, Kareem, let's talk more about crypto. Let's talk about Google and their scams. <laughs> Google ain't no scam. I don't know that transition. Why? Why you? Why Sorry, you calling Google scam. a scam? We're not in that section. Listen. Google is the one acceptable overlord. So, <laughs> seriously, <laughs> seriously speaking, though, there was an interesting article about Google's quantum supremacy and the role that it might play in crypto. So, the first question is, what is quantum supremacy? I know, Brent, you covered the article, I think, when Google had something with their quantum computing, but the term quantum supremacy specifically, I wasn't sure where it meant. So, according to Wikipedia... Quantum supremacy just refers to the potential ability of devices to solve problems that classical computers would not be able to solve, practically speaking. So essentially, to be able to perform a single calculation that no conventional computer, even the most powerful supercomputers, could perform in a reasonable, in a reasonable amount of time. So what was it that Google achieved a couple of weeks ago that caused a little bit of a stir? And that was, they managed to, they couldn't break an algorithm. Let's say like, they say that that's actually decades apart, but the computer was able to verify whether the outputs of a random number generator were actually random, right? The Google's quantum computer was able to do this in three minutes and 20 seconds. That's how long it took. According to the paper, that is the fastest commercially available computer. The most powerful computer available right now is the IBM Summit 3. And it would take that computer 10,000 years to do the same calculation. Now, I actually think that commercially available is a misnomer here because 
this kind of, I wanted to see how powerful was this supercomputer that the quantum computer is so much more powerful than it, right? So I went to go look it up. <laughs> First, I tried to see how much it would cost to buy it. That was ignorant. This is like <laughs> developed by a government, right? <clears throat> so we're talking about a project that is more than a $250 million project. The price estimates varied and it involved multiple projects, so it's hard to tell. But let's suffice it to say hundreds of millions of dollars is what this cost. And the peak speed of the IBM Summit 3 is 200,000 teraflops. Since that doesn't mean anything to me. <laughs> Wait, you said ter- <laughs> teraflop. Teraflop? That's teraflop. Running term. it 10 times, Kareem. That's a technical term. Wow. Okay, cool. so, so here's the equivalent. This is how strong the IBM supercomputer is. You ready for this? It is the equivalent in human terms of 6.3 billion people all of them making a calculation at the same time every second for one year, that process would equal one second of the IBM supercomputer. 6.3 billion humans, Jesus. one calculation per second for an entire year. That's equal to one second of the IBM supercomputer. That computer would take 10,000 years to do what Google's quantum computer did in three minutes and 30 seconds. I don't, I don't know if you know seconds. this, but growing up, I was really good at simple math and I would call myself the human calculator for a brief period of time. <laughs> uh-huh. So, I mean, I might just be able to do it. Like I might just be, you know, the equivalent of Google's quantum Ooh, computer. Right. You might not. I mean, be. So maybe not, we don't need all 6.3 billion People. people maybe we, we just, just need, need like 5.8 billion of you to equal <laughs> one one hundred thousands of the summit three which is no, no no so okay the power here is absurd of course one of the questions was will this really have any practical applications yet i mean obviously they're just showing that they can do it this is going to keep getting better and better so i have no doubt that there will eventually be practical applications but this was making the point that even this run, random number generation verification can be used in proof of stake systems that rely on randomly picking stakeholders to choose who's actually making the money. So if these networks were actually going to go big, and I'm talking about global with uh, you know hundreds of thousands of people participating to validate these blocks, if there's any kind of variation, you can make tons of money, essentially siphon tons of money by somehow manipulating a slightly flawed algorithm. So one of the possible use cases was, hey, we could use something like this to very quickly verify the random number generating uh, outputs of proof of stake blockchains. To be fair, they also quoted a mathematician from California Davis that said that that would be the equivalent of buying a Rolex because you need to tell time. He just thinks that there might be more cheaper ways to do it, that it's kind of overkill <laughs> to use the quantum computer. Yeah, but a lot of people buy Rolexes to tell time. Great. Exactly. It's true. So anyway... This is cool. I thought the comparison in size and potential is cool. But even these people seem to think that we're still a decade away from the quantum computer breaking, for example, the SHA-256 algorithm. So, Right, yeah. Even when we talked about the last article, they said 20, 30 years away minimum. Yeah, which is crazy. But also, I don't believe them because, you know, things happen faster and they happen slower. So I don't know. I, I think we didn't, Brent, I, maybe it was a episode that me and you covered. Uh, I definitely think we talked about it for a little bit last time there was a quantum computing on the podcast. Yeah, we yeah. talked about it differently. 
Yeah, yeah we talked about quantum we're, we're talking about the you know the resistance of it, and yeah, basically they said that it would take a long time. But you're right that we have no idea the true powers of what quantum computing com- computing cam- computing can do uh, once it gets really moving. You know, yeah, there's a lot of things that it could all of a sudden they could just beat it. Hey, calculate this. Oh, we figured that out. Well, that's a great you know way to use this, and then it can kind of just. Uh, Snowball. I don't know. It'll be interesting. Quantum computing is kind of getting close to here. Yeah. Dude, and honestly, guys, what I loved about this article is even just thinking about this supercomputer that they're talking about here, like, that's already sounds so powerful. I mean, 6.3 billion people making a calculation every second for a year equals one second of what this thing can do. And I know that maybe that's silly to compare humans and computer, but it just really shows from a scientific and exploration standpoint how you get this exponential growth. Now we can calculate more complex systems. Uh, Maybe we're going to get closer and closer to being able to simulate biological beings on a computer to to find out medicine or simulate uh, complex social structures so we can have better understanding of economics or have a better understanding of environments. Like this is really awesome, this exponential growth, which might end in our ultimate destruction. But hey, we're in an interesting <laughs> part of the ride. <laughs> uh, listen, the new Terminator is coming out soon, and and we can have a documentary on what happens when you actually figure out the quantum computing situation. Which funny story about the new Terminator? Apparently, you know how like those companies will put old movies in the movie theater for like a day, and then you can go watch them or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like they'll be like Ghostbusters in theater one day. They did that with Terminator Two, and then showed the new Terminator movie. What? As like a, just a, they didn't tell anybody. Just like the people who are actually huge fans of Terminator Two, they released it. And uh, that's like, awesome. Boom. Yeah, it was pretty cool. And then it got posted on Reddit, and the top comment was Arnold Schwarzenegger saying, "I thought this was good surprise for everybody." It was great. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why. That was a terrible Arnold. Yeah, that wasn't bad. No, it was good. Yeah. Should we move on? Yeah, yeah, we should. Let's talk. Normally, I grab these, but so I grabbed this article. Adam had already grabbed the article, so I thought. I actually don't know the answer to this. So I put it in there. I was about to do the research. I thought the article name had to have been like it probably wasn't right. But bullish or bullshit, boys. Yeah. It's uh, time. Let's uh, try this out. XCFTC, which is uh, the aforementioned derivatives account commission. The XCFTC chair says Trump admin popped the bitcoin bubble in 2017 is this bullshit or is this bullish let me know i said it the wrong way but either way it works all right i'll go i'll go first i'm going to say it is not bullshit that he said it but it is bullshit that it is true just to be clear about what (laughs) i'm trying to say here yeah i i I think that that's a pretty I, i don't know i have no idea the other article I saw said like they colluded to cause the bubble to pop or whatever. I'm it's suspect. Yeah, I'm sure somebody said that. I don't think that there actually has anything to do with what happened. So, yep, I'm going bullshit ish as well. What's funny is I don't. I mean, after I read the article, it didn't seem like this that specific headline is what was said at all. I saw this on another website, and it was like we may have a bunch of these like high ups at the CFTC, the Treasury, the SEC, they colluded, but they didn't say specifically the Trump admin. So that that feels like that's just like a, a stretch. So I would say that you, I mean, actually it's probably just 
bullshit and bullshit for the specific uh, title. <laughs> I, there was no mention of, of him being quoted saying that the Trump admin did that. But so I guess if double bullshit. Yes. But it was an interesting article. I just happened. Uh, I think we both happened. I saw this article somewhere else. There was a different title. And this one definitely seemed a little like a better for the bullshit bullshit. So basically what happened was Christian Giancarlo, who was the former CFTC chair, left in April after a five-year term. He gave uh, an interview to Coindesk earlier in the week. And the one of the direct quotes was, one of the untold stories of the past few years is that the CFTC, the Treasury, the SEC, and the National Economic Council director at the time, Gary Cohn, so I guess that's technically... Yeah, you that's know, the Trump, Trump administration. Sure. Believe that the launch of Bitcoin futures would have the impact of popping the Bitcoin bubble. And it worked. That's the exact quote. And then upon reading it and also looking wait, at wait, wait, wait. what they thought if people can short Bitcoin, it'll pop the bubble. Oh, wow. Mind blow. Yeah, some uh, crazy, you know, deduction there. But yeah, so futures were announced on December 1st, 2017. Uh, the Chicago Mercantile Exchange, the CME. And then another futures exchange, a CBOE. So many abbreviations here. And (laughs) they went live on December 18th. And another quote said, we saw bubble building and we thought the best way to address it was to allow the market to interact with it. And I'm curious what you guys think about that. So is he saying they were like the reason they allowed that to happen is they're like, (laughs) Let's let them fucking do this so we can pop the bubble. Huh? Good job, guys. We got it. This is our fault. Like, they're taking credit for what the market did because they, I don't know. Uh, Whatever. Uh, so, so basically, I think Giancarlo like, was around in the 2008, uh, when, uh, during the 2008 bubble. And he said, coming out of the 2008 financial crisis, the legit criticism of regulators was along the lines of, where were they during the expansion of the real estate mortgage bubble? And why didn't they take steps to pop that bubble when they could have? So basically, I think they were trying to not have an even crazier situation yep. arise. And upon seeing that, and like I can agree to some extent because everyone was very tribalistic and just saying it was kind of, it was a very wild time to be honest. And I've always kind of said that, yeah, it obviously sucks to have a bubble when maybe you're impacted, but it kind of was somewhat necessary to allow regulation and, you know, institutions to catch up. Cause it's like, it was just way too wild of a, currency then or the the whole market was pretty wild two years ago and inflated yeah it's uh this quote that you have here seems is really strong because you have you have here in the island that if you don't have that derivative then all you got are believers and it's a believers market that makes a lot of sense it's essentially you know they're the markets are created. Markets don't exist in a vacuum. So if you don't allow people to interact with the market in certain ways, or if you do, those are all the conditions of the market. So yeah, if you have a market where everybody's basically long, I could see how that's stimulating a worse and worse bubble, you know? Yep. Yeah. So funny enough, I'd say that while it was bullshit and yeah, I mean, I guess it's like kind of a stretch, I guess technically, you know, that Gary, you know, he was involved in the Trump admin that I'd say that 
the article had a good amount of bullish kind of maybe not bullish sentiment, but everything in it I thought was all right. I can agree with that. Here's my Brent makes a narrative out of nowhere assumption about this particular thing. I think that this guy had conversations behind closed doors when they were talking about whether they could approve this thing or not to let the futures trade happen where they're like, it's a scam. Just let them fucking short it guys. Like let them short it. It sucks. It doesn't matter. It's a scam. And they like had a negative opinion towards Bitcoin. So they let the shorting happen and, you know, gave it the reason of the market or whatever. And now afterwards he's kind of like, yeah, like it's kind of our fault. Like we let, this bubble pop because we said you're allowed to short it and almost like he's taking credit for the downturn in the market, which is kind of funny anyway. Well, so I have no basis for that at all. The but. two things I'll add there is one of the reasons I thought this was bullshit is because I'm sure the Trump administration can influence and I, yeah, I get it. Creating the possibility for short positions is a way to do that, but it's still a global market, right? So the reason crypto is falling has more to do than just this. There are other players involved. And part of the idea is, even though government forces are powerful, one of the things that we've learned with the different crises and all this stuff is that they're not all powerful. They can't fully control everything, even if they would like to. So there's yeah, I'm sure the Mt. Gox sale had nothing to do with it. Right, exactly. There's a tons of things that are going on, right? From geopolitical instability to market players to manipulation to regulation. So anyway... There's multiple forces at play, but maybe they do see the bubble popping as a good thing. That's, you know, you say like it's his fault and maybe he's proud of it, but in some ways, right? Like in theory, for example, that's what the Fed is supposed to do. If they see that there are bubbles that are being created, they quote unquote are supposed to take away the punch bowl from the party. So things slow down. And in some ways, you know, this could be considered a a way of saying like, yeah, it was going to be worse if we didn't get involved. So I could see how they see this as a victory. I'm not educated enough to know if they're right or wrong, but I could see it. Yeah. I mean, you're right. It is probably a little uh, egotistical to be like, I caused the, we caused the bubble, but you know, I'm, there were a lot of factors, but you know, there, this is, I, this, I believe this conversation did happen and they did see, you know, the writing on the wall somewhere. All right. Why don't we move on from the old Brent? Are you Trump. older than the average life expectancy oh. of fiat currency? You just got crushed, Brent. That transition was way better. Well, Adam, yeah, you do transitions now. Brent's like fire. <laughs> all right. So uh, also, yes, I'm older. You are. <laughs> all right. Well, what is the over under for average life expectancy, Brent? Well, so here's actually the funny thing about that number, and this is why I wanted to add it in today's episode. Oh, this isn't actually a Brent. Uh, this is a Kareem. Yeah, he didn't put the K on the end. Ah. So yeah, I got this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So here at Crypto Basic, I think it's safe to say that our guiding principle is the truth. That's what we care about the most. We want reality and we want you to navigate the world with prioritizing the truth over what we want to believe or the people who yes. are trying to scam us or everything like that. So one of the ongoing memes that has existed in the crypto space that we have inherited from the gold currency space is the idea that the average life expectancy of for fiat is 27 years, that that's on average how long fiat currencies live. So this information comes from a blog post by John Paul Koning, who's you know in the Cato Institute and a couple of those other, he's got a blog post, financial journalist, whatever. But the substance is what matters. It's very interesting. So 
he tries to trace back the origin of this meme or this thought. Where where did we first come up with that? And he goes to some advertisement, people who are claiming it, like, let's say, institutions that are selling crypto or gold, have it quoted. There's some books from some gold books that mention it, but everybody's just referencing something else, something else, until he's finally able to trace it back to an online post by Matt Hewitt. This post has since been removed. But essentially, in the post, the creator of this meme recognizes that he breaks down all of the fiat currencies that have existed into two categories. The 176 currencies that still have an active fiat and 599 currencies that no longer exist, right? How did he get to the 27-year average? He did that by looking at the average lifespan of all of the currencies that no longer exist, but ignoring any (laughs) currency that still exists. So all the currencies that are still in existence today aren't even factored into that average. The dollar, for example, or I mean, whatever, any currency that hasn't already been defunct. So essentially, it's looking at a very like, it's specifically looking at the subset of failed fiats, but not the ones that are active, right? On top of that, it's the statement is kind of put in a vacuum that lets you assume because subconsciously what we think when we hear that is, ah, 27 years and then the currency fails. But that's not really always the reality. As a matter of fact, most of the time, that's not a reality. In all of these circumstances, we usually see a new currency being adopted and it's like a planned process. It's not like something that explodes. So for example, you could look at the Dutch uh, Golder, the French Franc, and the Italian lira. Those are all three different fiat currencies. And you would be correct to say that they ceased to exist, but they were replaced by the euro. It was a decision that was made by those countries. The people that had lira or the people that had golder or francs exchanged them for euros. Their wealth didn't disappear. Now, I'm not getting into whether or not the euro was a good currency or a better or worse. That's not even the point. The point is that it's a little bit misleading to just leave that claim out there, use those numbers, and just give you the impression that fiat currencies are inherently failing at this rapid rate, and that Bitcoin is already almost half of the way to being a a normal fiat (laughs) currency, right? And another example, Kenya, Tanzania, Uganda, they were all part of the East African Currency Board. They had to use the East African shilling. Then they gained independence. Then each one of them created their own national currency, and their citizens were able to exchange the East African shilling for the new currency, right? So it was a very interesting post and it basically debunks the meme. It's not, and here's the thing, it's not a meme that we need, right? We don't need lies in the space. We don't need extra stuff to make our position look better than it is or make the other position look more ominous or something like uh, the entire economy is about, well, you know, Currencies come and go. Yes, that's true. Currencies do fail. Oftentimes they get replaced. The question is whether we're creating a superior product in this space, which I think might be the case, but we don't need fake myths. Yeah, that's super tilting because of the tendency for people to attack the weakest part of your argument. If somebody is arguing against this and they find this, they're just like, y'all motherfuckers are saying that Fiat's only been around for 27 years. Mm -hmm. What is wrong with you? That's right. And it's real easy to drill down on that. I make this mistake all the time when I argue with people and I swear at them and they start telling me I shouldn't swear. Yeah, they will always latch on to your weakest point and know if you can disprove one little part of your argument then everything else. And look, at the end of the day, it's fair. If you're walking around making this claim 
And, <laughs> you know, this piece of information is relevant. Like, and, and it's kind of, it doesn't on its face look that way. Reality, that's not what history has shown, right? So it's funny that these memes can even become common knowledge when they're so shaky in their foundations. Like the claim just came from one guy online, basically. <laughs> it sounds great. Like you want to share it. It sounds awesome. That's what happens with all those Russian bots and like mm-hmm. all that shit. They mm-hmm. make stupid things that people want to share and they're just wrong. Yep. You have to count the ones that are existing. I don't really know what the correct way to do that is, but you can't just not count those and then put out a stat that says this is the average. Yeah. I'm, yeah, I'm not a statistician, but I know that not counting the ones that exist is not the right way to do yeah, it. Yeah. I mean, that's like. I want to figure out how long human beings live, but anybody that makes it past 40, I'm not going to count it. Oh, my God. Humans being don't make it past 35. You know, <laughs> well, you got to factor in the 90-year-olds, buddy. That's how you get an average. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Shall okay. we move on to that's a scam? No, 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 no. That's a scam. That's a scam. That's a scam. Who's talking about the NBA? I don't know. I, Adam, you're the tallest one, so you should probably talk yeah, about it. Yeah, so uh, I actually remember this guy. So the former NBA player, Isaac Austin, defrauds 825K in Bitcoin scam. And okay. basically, he, reti- he retired in 2004 and was a trustee for his own Bitcoin trading company. He's orig- I think he's... I don't know if he's originally from Ghana, but he definitely has ties to Ghana. And he managed to get a Ghanaian. I apologize to all our Ghanaian uh, listeners out there. I'm not really sure how to pronounce it correctly. But uh, to a firm in Ghana, they handed over $11,000 per Bitcoin. So about 80 Bitcoin was transferred to his account from the firm and has yet to be touched. He claimed he would pay back investments and then some at close of trading. And uh, one of the victims says Austin is given a whole slew of excuses. One that he suffered a heart attack, transferred coins to the wrong wallet, was in queues at banks, like at lines at banks, and that the banks were holding the funds. And it's just a scam. It just, you know, how this just seems kind of ridiculous, you know, and it kind of makes sense a little bit. You're this figure that had a lot of money and you probably spent it a little too liberally. And then at the end of it, you just, you're like, oh, Bitcoin. Oh, like I could probably get, you know, try to get some money from it. And I mean, maybe on some level they they thought that it was going to be, you know, maybe he thought there was there was some goodwill there, or maybe it was just scamming. We don't really know. But as of now, this doesn't look good for him at all. The most shocking part about this is that professional athletes like poker players tend to be very good with their money. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's very it's very easy. There's a lot of smoke and mirrors, especially for like an NBA player, where people just are. I guess the way I'd put it is, from my own from my own perspective, is if I win we'll say $50,000 in a tournament, that's one day and then I'll probably lose for a bit. But it seems like like that's a pretty good win rate in a single day. But if you couple that into like, oh, wow, that was my only big win for the year and then I ended up losing like $30,000 the rest of the year or something, now I'm making $20,000 on the year. That's not really a good win rate. So it's very easy. And I feel like for NBA, like you go from being completely broke 
sometimes to just getting paid 100K per game or something ridiculous, maybe 50K, I don't even know. And you're making like 150K a week or something stupid. It's really easy. How do you know how to spend that money in a, a year? You know, it's probably, you just immediately have to put a lot of that money away because you, I don't think the average person can really know what their limit is give it when they have that much money on a daily basis. Yeah. I mean, it's legendary how much they get taken advantage of. And also there's got to be something to the fact of like being around people who now that you're part of the same circle, you feel like you should have similar spending habits, but you actually don't because they're so much richer than you. So, you know, like seriously, like some, some of these people are in a team with like an athlete that makes 30 million a year between investments in their contract and they're literally taken care of for life and they have everything super nice. And all of a sudden, if you're making 1.5 million a year, uh, you know, you could probably <laughs> be set for life, but not when you have 1.3 million a year in expenses. Like, <laughs> yeah, I, I did this on a micro scale and maybe some, maybe you guys can actually stay, stick with this, but there's so many ESPN 30 for thirties on these athletes where you see like how predatory everybody around them is being, when they're trying to help them manage their money or whatever. But to Kareem's point, I remember right when I kind of got involved in the poker world, and I didn't really understand how variants worked or anything. I just was making a bunch of money playing poker and I was slightly better than the rest of the people at the time, but I hadn't really considered long-term or anything like that. There was a year where I have no idea how much money I made. I just know that I thought losing sessions were rare. Which I now, which I know is not true, but I hadn't looked into it at the time. The golden age. And I remember being at dinner, and Adam, I actually think you were there. We were at Nobu, and we credit card gamed at Nobu for like $6,000. And for those out there who don't know what the credit card game is, everybody puts in either a credit card or an ID, you shake them up, and you pick who has to pay the bill. I might have had $12,000 to my name at the time. And I threw my card in, in a thing where I was gambling on pure chance it, with a group of 16 people whether I was going to have to pay $6,000 or not. And there was absolutely no reason for and that. all they could gain was, was their own meal. Like, I mean, just to be yeah, clear. I don't as know a, how many of those people could afford that. but Nobody. Nobody in the group could. Maybe like one whale. That's the whole point. You just get in this yeah. kind of group think, you know, money means nothing. I was inoculated from that by being an immigrant. <laughs> I was like, oh no, no, no! We work too hard. I cannot. Uh, sorry. <laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah. Kareem's value of money has always been very, very good from the from the moment we met him. The first time Kareem played in our home game, he played he played against uh, our former host Mike Lockie heads up without looking at his hole cards. He did the opposite of what Mike Postel was doing. He would wait until after the flop to look at his hand. <laughs> Who did that? Kareem. Oh, my God. He would take his card to push him off to the side and be like, oh, look at those later. I raise. <laughs> and then and then Mike, who knew who knew how to play poker, is just like, okay, <laughs> I, I re-raise. <laughs> anyway, it was a real uh, – it was it was fun. So, yes, Kareem's always been great with money. That was the, that was the end result of that. <laughs> and uh, Brent, do you want to talk about something that happened uh, last week that kind of was unfortunate? Yeah, I mean, I think you should get into it. Yeah, this sucks ass. So we had a scammer in our Discord, and I released that quick podcast just like the second I found out about it. I got that out to anybody who happened to be a subscriber. I put announcements in the Discord or whatever, but I didn't. I wanted to get it out there to anybody who could possibly hear it. And 
now that we've had a, a little about a week to kind of see what happened with this, I felt like it was worth talking about on the show. But basically, the, the quick version is one of our listeners got scammed at a half a Bitcoin. And that's what we know of so far. And the attack vector was a, a scammer popped into our Discord and changed their name to our names. Uh, so I even saw it. I saw a person enter the Discord with, as Brent Philbin, whatever. I didn't see it when they happened, but a couple hours later, I popped on and I laughed because we do have a lot of listeners that like to troll and do funny things. And I was like, ah, that's funny. And then my next immediate thing was, oh, but just be careful, guys. Like, don't give your private keys to anybody, whatever. So what was actually happening was they were messaging everybody in the server. And I started to figure it out pretty quickly uh, as people started messaging me saying like, hey, some guy with your name is asking me for money. Unfortunately, he'd already gotten to one of our listeners. So he was messaging everybody with Brent Philbin and and it's kind of bullshit. I'm talking with Discord and they won't give me any information. They say they'll cooperate with authorities and the listener has reached out to the authorities and he has police report, but I don't know that they'll actually go through with this. But Discord Nitro allows you to pick the four digit number that comes after your name. So what they did was they made their name super similar to mine. Like they changed like a capital letter or something and then put the same four digit number on the end that's randomly assigned to me because they have the premium version and they're allowed to pick it. So even if you clicked on my name and happened to know what my number was, it would be exactly the same from the scammer. So they had my name. They also had my picture. They basically took a screenshot and zoomed in a tiny little bit so you couldn't see the outside. And now they had my picture from my profile and they started messaging everybody and i feel awful about this because one of the listeners uh the end result was again they he gave them uh half a bitcoin and it makes me feel awful that somebody trusted me enough to send me half a bitcoin and sent the wrong person like i wouldn't send either one of you guys four thousand dollars without getting on the phone with you there just isn't uh there, there isn't a situation with that and i trust you guys as as more than i trust anybody else in my life I, I would, so for somebody yeah. to give us that kind of trust is like and then have this guy take advantage of it. It, it makes me sick. Back yeah. in the day when someone would ask, hey, can you transfer like 1,000 on uh, stars, poker stars or something? I would confirm with the person through text by asking them some like random question, you know, like just trolling them about an inside joke or something. And then like, or aim or whatever. And if they responded, you know, like even then, like you should always, like, I'm not saying that, you know, it, it's, it's just a, it's a hard, it's a tough world out there on the internet. You have to be always vigilant. And I know it's really unfortunate that this happened in our community because we kind of talk about that a lot. And there's a lot of things that like even within like, you know, you could there's so many different attacks and stuff or ways to just, you know, small little hacks that it's just unfortunate. And this is one of those that, you know, is one of the higher level ones that I've seen. And you just kind of. You just have to be very uh, stay on alert almost always. Yeah, and needless yeah. and needless yeah. to say, guys. I mean, we're never, literally, never ever will we ask our listeners for money in some kind of private never. setting ever. Like if uh, you know the Patreon's there, and we talk about it publicly on the podcast, but you know our business model, like the way we think and everything. If it's there's no situation, it's just not going to happen. So if yeah. you ever get anything, even if you're like ninety nine percent sure it's us you should assume it's not us because we're never going to ask you for money. Never. There will never be any point in history where any of us will ever ask in discord for money, period. That's it. So, you know, I, I changed my name to like 
never giving away Ethereum or whatever. We all, we used to make jokes that like when the Twitter bots started scamming you, you like you knew you made it or whatever. And it just it just feels terrible to have this happen to a listener. So I wanted to go quickly over what the scam was, how this guy did it, what he did, and also some of the red flags that our listeners should have noticed. So first, the message that they sent to everybody was, do you know anyone who's selling Ether has it? I left my ledger at the office and I'm meeting a client. I went on BTC Pop, but they want to charge me 27% to borrow it for an hour till I'm back, and that's insane. So that's what the scumbag scammer was saying. Uh, just right off the bat, if you're impersonating me, I don't have a fucking office. Uh, so I don't have clients right away. That is <laughs> that is not me. But I understand that those words are kind of universal enough that it can it can make sense. So some of the other red flags, and I mean, there was a long back and forth here. And, and unfortunately our listener almost caught it. Like he almost got there a couple times. So first he asked for a voice verification. He's like, Hey, can you just send me like a recording real quick? And the scammer dodged it. And he said he could send a selfie. And, and our listener was like, well, look, I, you can get a selfie from anywhere. I just like, I, I know your voice from the podcast and he dodges it again. But then he says, you know what? Why don't I have Adam come in and confirm that it's okay. So they, so another person came into the Discord a few minutes later that copied Adam's name, Adam Ruthless Levy, but with a lowercase r instead of a capital R. And he said, yeah, hey, this is Adam. It's cool to like give Brent. It's fine. So we had two, the guy did two separate accounts and did it that way. So then the guy ended up calling him from a number that we assume is spoofed. I'm not going to say the number, but the number's caller ID did not belong to me, belonged to somebody completely different. So he noticed that. He's like, well, why does caller ID say this? And he didn't even really answer that. He just kind of ignored it. And then he also said, don't worry, man. I've got 4,000 Bitcoin. Obviously, I don't need to rob you for half a Bitcoin. Uh, I don't have 4,000 fucking Bitcoin. I don't have even four fucking Bitcoin. So like, <laughs> if, if I start bragging about how much money I have, everyone knows it's the exact opposite. And uh, so, yeah, 4,000 Bitcoin. Nice. Or ask for my wallet address where I have 4,000 Bitcoin and I'm not going to be able... Well, actually, he probably knows where there's an address where he can show that. Anyway, then he even said something about using his iPhone. Uh, he's like, oh, the stupid iPhone or whatever. And again, listeners noticed and was like, I thought you used a Note 10 because I've talked about it on the podcast so many times that I haven't used an iPhone in so long. It was just another point, red flag, where he could have done it. But unfortunately, the end result is that that the the trust was there he believed he was talking to me and sent the money so through working with some of the people in the community we were able to figure out that this guy was able to send the money to a wallet and then send it to another wallet which is associated with coins pay which is what looks like a scammy uh payment processor in the uk um we we've reached out to discord to try and get information about the guy's nitro account uh, we the Ethereum account that he gave Jason, our editor, who he also tried to get money from. Uh, he gave him an Ethereum address, and we looked that up. It's associated with HitBTC. I've got a ticket in with HitBTC. Again, they are saying they won't do anything without authorities. So, and I don't think that the police are really going to be able to help our listener. Now, I did offer my own consulting i will talk with the cops for however long i need to to explain to them what they can do to catch this person and uh and yeah if you you know the the information's all in the discord all the stuff that we have found out about them from the phone number to the public addresses 
to other people that they've impersonated. So they, they, they didn't stop with us. It's not like this is one of our listeners. They didn't use any inside information or anything. They immediately went to some other Discord server, another Discord server. I joined all the Discord servers as he went and started scamming them with different names. As his name changed, I would try to find that person's Discord server and then join it and think maybe we could piece together some more information. But in the end, that's this is the big downside of the crypto space. Like There isn't anything we can do. There's no authority that we can appeal to that says hey guys help like help me get this money back and i don't know the solution here like i don't know what to do to to solve this problem in the future like there has to be a way or else this won't be sustainable if somebody can just like you know that i mean i mean i guess with cash it's the same like if you give somebody cash they could just not give it back but maybe if ontology gets off the ground you can just at least know if a person is real or something like that, you know, like if their wallet is just like ontology verified or something. So where you know that that, that this person exists and then you can look at previous transactions, see if anybody ever said this guy's a scammer or whatever. I don't know. I, I don't know how to do it, but it was, it was super, I don't know. I, I, uh, it upset me and I feel really bad that this happened. I, I hope nobody else, no other listeners got scammed. Um, but this wallet has had, I think, like two Bitcoin go through it. So he, the even if this is the only listener that he got on our end, he got other people and other discords. And and also, fuck that guy from Twitter. There's, so uh, Crypto Candor posts on Twitter. She almost never posts, and she's like, "Hey, I've been out of the out of the loop. What's going on?" And I I mentioned on her Twitter, "Be careful uh, of your of your Discord. Like let let your squad know that the." Like there's people impersonating us and they may have, it's really easy to find her discord from our discord. So they may have popped in there and she was like, yeah, thanks. And then this guy like responded, whatever, it's his own fucking fault. He should have known. And I'm just like, no, get the fuck out of here with that attitude. You don't get, you don't get to act like superior. Like you would have caught the scam. So now all of a sudden this person didn't get scammed. No, not about that victim blaming bullshit. I don't even remember what that guy's name, but he can go fuck himself. Anyway, that's it. That's the way our that's the way it went down. So a, a little somber note to end the end the episode on. Any, any thoughts on this? They didn't they didn't impersonate Kareem. Oh, what the fuck happened there? <laughs> They're like Scar. Ah, this person can't have any power. Let's let's go with a trustable white man. <laughs> this guy <laughs> ruthless. Let's go in. There you go. Yeah, I mean it's just an unfortunate situation, and I hope that uh, in the future, like please come to us uh, maybe you know hit us up on another medium or try to you know just make sure that everything adds up like confirm in private message or something that like call uh, speak to somebody yeah. do not ever transfer some in your entire life don't ever send somebody that kind of money without talking to them yeah. and probably getting a promissory note <laughs> if they're saying that they're going to owe you the money they better be signing something yeah we're just not going to do that that's just not like our we're not trying to yeah, it'll never our listeners else. for money. It's just kind of crazy. Like I'll ask Brent, I'll ask Kareem, but like even then, like it's just not something we do. Yep. All right. Well, and uh, you want to mention uh, some of the Patreon members? Yeah. No. It, oh, it's the last flagship of the week. Hold, hold on, just a second here, boys. Of the month or of the month? Yeah. I. You know what? Because it's the twenty fourth right now. I thought we were going to be doing it on the next episode, but you're right. We need to go over all of the people that are helping support us, and uh, and unfortunately, one of the Patreon members is one of the, is the one who got scammed. It's brutal. Like they they were even going through and supporting us 
on top of all that stuff. So that it just, ah. anyway. Um, okay. So we always mention all of our Patreon members once a month at the end of the month for who they are, what they're doing and how they've been supporting us. So we currently on our biggest, highest tier masternode, we've got a Jordan Willis. We've got Annette Millie Kempe. We've got Anthony Niemeyer. Uh, we've got, Oh no, he told me I pronounced that wrong. And I, Niemeyer. Ah, sorry. I can't remember which way you told me to pronounce that. I apologize. We've still got Robert Laverty. We've got Simon Gordon. We've got the burrito project and we've got the bigger boat. And I mentioned we are going to be giving those masternode players the ability to sponsor uh, one-on-one episodes. Uh, basically, I need to talk with the team, but I think the decision is we're just going to act like none of our one-on-one episodes have ever been done and just go again and do them all again because a lot of them are a couple years old. And I think I think it's time to just we've we've done some one or twos. We'll revamp everything and we will give people the ability to sponsor the episodes. So like if you are somebody who wants to advertise with us, you can sponsor. Yes, we want the Bitcoin one on one. We're going to do that. And then we will do the Bitcoin one on one. It'll be sponsored by that person. But the Patreon members will have the ability to sponsor episodes as well. So um, that is that's my plan for this, because, again, we it's so hard to take an advertiser. I don't want engine to pay us to do a 101 on engine but i don't mind if the engine 101 is brought to you by engine because then i, I can you know if, the, if i didn't like something about them i can still say it so because i'm not worried about them continuing the relationship with them with us in the future and i don't think we'll ever take sponsorship from a coin project on anything other than a coin project you want to be engine you want to sponsor ethereum that would be cool but that we're not going to take it on the flight. We're not going to be like, Hey, the flagship is brought to you by ripple or anything like that. It's not going to happen. So, so anyway, those, those are our $5 masternode members. And then we also have the secure node members. We need to talk about them. We've got degenerate Brahmin ether cocky. You haven't changed your name in a while. You need to change that name. I need to be saying something else on here, Jeff and the Z man. So that's it for the Patreon. You can join a crypto basic or a patreon.com slash crypto basic. And we, the tokens are good. They're going to, they're sent out. So if you haven't gotten your engine token, remind me, send it to me because it's been so long since I got my private keys for that. I might've missed one. There are tokens on the engine blockchain that are unique to Patreon members. Still have like 70 of 60 of them left, something like that. We will never make those again. So go ahead and uh, become a member and you can do that. There's a few other perks and a couple more perks coming in the very near future. So enjoy. And also we are not financial advisors. Right? No, we're not. Right. On that? No. Yep. We're not financial advisors. We are not financial requesters. <laughs> we are not smart. We're idiots. And I Adam's the only one who's dumb enough to use an iPhone. So all investments have inherent risk. Make sure you do your own research before you make any financial transactions and understand what is happening in the crypto space. Join our Discord and that's it. We're out. All right. See everyone next week. See you guys.